Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. It is good to hear good news. And in the passage of Scripture that we're going to be studying this lesson, it is full of good news. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Isaiah and chapter 65. The book of Isaiah and chapter 65. Now, we began this chapter last week, and we're going to see that in the beginning verses of our study for this lesson, there is a contrast between those who are called my servants and those who are not. And that should cause us to ask ourselves a very important question, and that is, am I a servant of the God of Israel? These promises are made first and foremost to Israel, and then for the nations, as we talked about last week, who respond to God's revelation primarily his general revelation that there is a creator God. And through that response, they can find out about God's goodness, about God's redemption, about the grace and the mercy of God. So God wants all humanity to become his servant. Again, are you a faithful servant? Well, take out your Bible and look with me to that chapter, chapter 65, where we left off last week, and now we're ready for verse 13. And remember, this contrast between those who are his servants and those who are not. Verse 13, he says, Therefore, thus said the Lord God, Behold my servants, they shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Now, again, there's a contrast, and the servants of God, they are going to be made to be satisfied in the kingdom of God. We're going to see without any doubt, without any uncertainty, these promises are kingdom promises. And for my estimation, this chapter is one of the pinnacle chapters in the book of Isaiah where we have gone through much judgment in the past. Now we see God is going to do great things for those who are his faithful people. And there's an inherent relationship between having faith and serving God. It is faith in him, believing in the promises of God, that will cause us to be his obedient servant. So once again, verse 13, therefore thus said the Lord God, remember said in the past, showing a promise. Thus said the Lord God, behold my servants, they shall eat, but you, you shall be hungry. Behold my servants, they shall drink, but you, you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants, they shall be glad, but you, 
you shall be ashamed. And again, I hope you're paying attention to the the difference between what the servants of God receive, what their experience is going to be. And remember this, this experience is not for a season, but we're talking about eternity. God is going to satisfy. God is going to give his joy to us forever and ever. But those who do not receive his word, do not respond to it with faith, are not his servants. They are going to be ashamed for eternity. Look now to verse 14. We read, Behold my servants, they shall shout. Now, many point out that this is a shout of joy, but what we need to see is that this word shows great emotion. An emotion that is a response to God's presence, God moving in a situation to fulfill his will. So, yes, there's joy, but there's great excitement. And I would suggest that this word speaks more to an excitement of God acting in behalf of his people. Verse 14, Behold, my servants, they shall shout, from a good heart but you and it's speaking about you who have rejected me you you shall shall yell out from a heart of pain and from a spirit that is broken what should you do it says that broken spirit is going to lament verse 15 and your name Here again, speaking about those who are not his servants. Your name shall be set as an oath. Now, this is a testimony. Some Bibles, they will translate this word shavuah as curse. And I think in a practical sense, that's what we should glean from it. But it's literally the word oath, meaning this. God is making a promise. God is taking an oath. Those who are not his servants... Their name is going to be set as an oath, as a testimony to my elect ones. And what is God going to testify? Keep reading. He says in the middle of verse 15, And the Lord God will kill you, but my servants, they will be called by another name or They will call to God in another name, not as the God of judgment, but as a God of faithfulness. Over and over in this passage, faithfulness is lifted up. It is being being offered up to us as a, a consequence from those who understand God's truth, They are going to demonstrate God's truth by faithfulness, and that faithfulness is going to manifest itself by being servants, obeying his word. And we'll come to why I bring faithfulness into this this, uh, chapter in a moment. Verse, Verse 16. And the one who blesses himself in the land, and we can understand that, in this world, in this this uh, uh, earth, he will bless himself. How? Well, here it is. Be Elohe, Amen. Now we know the term Elohim. 
this is simply a construct form meaning the god of the construct form in hebrew is the possessive also known as the genitive and it's the god of and notice this next word amen now the word amen is derived from the same root where we get the term emet and many point out that there is a great similarity between emet and amen when someone says amen what they're saying is you can believe that this is truth i agree that this is truth that needs to be received so it's the god of amen but it's the god of truth and that same word for for amen and truth amet also we come from that same root emunah which is faith so in this we see that god is a god of faithfulness to those who have responded with faith to his truth what does that mean who have believed his word and that term belief and faith and truth and amen all of that comes from the same hebrew root so look again he says and the one who blesses himself in this world he will bless himself in who the god of truth and the one who swears in this world he will swear that is he will take an oath and this is a term of faithfulness a term of obedience a term of submissiveness a term of recognizing god's authority he will do so how in the god of amen once more in the god of truth and then we see four the trouble what trouble hatzerot ha rishon note which means the former trouble it shall be forgotten now this is a wonderful promise god is telling us he is giving his word to us that in the former things and what do we mean by former things the things of this world this world is going to come and we'll see this in a moment this world is going to come to an end and what's going to be the replacement for those of faith for those in a covenantal relationship with god those who have been elected into his kingdom by grace meaning those who have responded to that message of grace the gospel all of these these troubles are going to be in the past that's why they're called here tsarot ha rishonot the former troubles they are all going to be forgotten for he says they will be hidden from my eyes meaning god is not going then to allow them to be present in his kingdom and he says look at verse 17 now you might say why are you bringing the kingdom of god into this why are you saying these promises these things that are being said they are a kingdom reality well the reason is i've read all of chapter 65. we need to see that chapter 65 begins with a dichotomy it is showing two approaches to life those who follow idolatry those who walk according to their own thoughts we talked about this last week and they are going to not know the faithfulness of god in blessings they're not going to be recipients of his promise they are going to receive his judgment 
his eternal punishment, his eternal destruction upon them. But those who respond to God's revelation with faith, receiving it as truth, believing God's words, and demonstrating that by serving him, they're going to have a very different experience. And they're going to know this experience for eternity in the kingdom. And why am I speaking about the kingdom? Well, look with me now to verse 17. These former things that are troublesome, are painful, are hurtful, all these things are going to be forgotten, They are going to be hidden from the eyes of God, which is an idiom meaning they no longer will exist. God's going to bring about a new reality, an eternal reality. And what is that? Look at verse 17. Now, this is one of the verses that that Yohanan, that is John, in the book of Revelation takes. And he takes this and gives it a new context and some new application, but never forgetting what is said here. It's a fuller revelation that John brings to his book. Look at verse 17. For behold, I, for behold, I am creating a new heavens and a new earth. Now, that new heavens and new earth has a name. It's called the New Jerusalem, and it is the final and eternal state of the kingdom of God. Where you want to be for eternity is the New Jerusalem. As I've said, there's a new heavens and new earth, meaning God's going to create everything anew. The former heaven, where people who die in faith go and spend, and some have been there a long time. But that place is not eternal. Heaven is not our eternal habitation. There's going to be a new heavens, new earth, meaning a new creation. And that new creation, which is a new reality, behold, John says all things are new. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 21, we're speaking about a new reality, a new kingdom called the new Jerusalem. And he says here, look again at verse 17. For behold, I'm creating a new heavens and a new earth. And he says, the former things, they're not going to be remembered. So all of this pain, all of this sorrow, all of these things that that cause tears and, and despair and sadness, they will be no more. Now, I never mind being corrected. There was a couple of messages that I spoke about how those who who fail God are going to have eternal regret. Now, that's not true. What the scripture says, we're going to know that. We're going to know what our, our disobedience brought about. And it's going to have some eternal consequences. And that's sad. And we're going to weep about that, but God will wipe away every tear. We're not going to have eternal regret. Those things ultimately, ultimately are going to be forgotten. And that's the good news of of this passage. He says, the former things, they will not be remembered. No, nor will they, they go up upon our heart, meaning heart is synonymous with thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, we're not going to think about those things anymore. Why? 
because we're going to be focusing in and enjoying all the wonderful promises of God. These former things are just that former. We're not going to think about them. We're not going to remember them. They're not going to be a source of eternal regret. All of these things are going to be no more and no more upon our thoughts. God wants us to rejoice for eternity, not to have that eternal regret. Verse 18. Now we move into a verse that speaks about rejoicing. Now I need to share with you that there's two words that he is going to use here for joy. Now they are very similar. It's hard to translate them differently. So I'm going to translate them the same way even though They're two different words in the Hebrew language. They're synonyms. Look at verse verse, uh, uh, 18 where it says, Rather, instead of remembering these things, he says, Rather, they will rejoice and they will rejoice ade ad, which means unto forever, which just means forever and ever. And it says, what I have created. So they're going to rejoice in what I've created, this new Jerusalem. For behold, I'm creating Jerusalem. And it's a Jerusalem that's going to rejoice. And not only is Jerusalem going to be a city that rejoices, but also it says, and her people, her people rejoices. So again, these two different words for rejoicing. And this is what's being emphasized here. All these things, these former things that brought about pain and sorrow, despair, uh, uh, hopelessness for those who do not know the truth, a feeling of defeat that the enemy's got the best of me, all of these things that we all fear at fill at time, all of those are going to go away. And what's going to replace it? Joy abundant joy joy that's going to be expressed in a variety of ways that's why we have two words here look at verse verse 19 now his people rejoice but god's going to rejoice with them verse 19 god is speaking and he says and i will rejoice in jerusalem and i will rejoice how with my people And there shall not be heard in it, meaning in Jerusalem, in that kingdom, any longer the sound, the voice of Bechi. Bechi is crying, weeping. And the voice of Tzaka, which is screaming or yelling out. All of that will not be heard where? In Jerusalem. And again, Jerusalem is a kingdom word just like israel is a kingdom word that's why it is so offensive to god to use some other term like palestine for for israel god forbid that one who knows the lord should ever use that term palestine it shows ignorance it shows one who does not fear god because we should always use the vocabulary that the word of god uses so he says look again i will rejoice in jerusalem and i will rejoice with my people and there shall not be heard in it any longer 
the voice or the sound of weeping and the sound of 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 yelling out verse 20 for there will not be from there any longer and then we have a word which means a very young child that that is of days and what he's saying here is this there's not going to be a situation where there's a child that just lives a few days now all over the world that happens women give birth men don't women get birth and unfortunately in many places child children don't last that long because of a variety of problems and a lacking of prenatal care and such children die oftentimes at a very young age that's the reality of this world but it's not going to be in the kingdom of god and it says nor will an old man not fulfill which means he will fulfill his days so these things that are are common children all of the world are born and die after just a few days and all of the world people are are elderly but they don't fulfill the the span that god would have them to to expand and it says for a young one now this is the word na'ar and it can be normally thought of as an adolescent but it can also as in the case of of moses in exodus it refers to a very young child within the bible sometimes and it says that there's not going to be that situation where a young person uh uh doesn't make it to a hundred years old this is not going to be and it says even the sinner who dies at a hundred year he will be thought of even though he's a sinner will be one that is thought of as curse now here again we're talking about the new jerusalem there's not going to be death this is poetic terms what he's saying is this the will of god is going to be be experienced we're not going to see anything that resembles this world where children die and people don't live to the fullness that god wanted them to live that's not going to be a happening and he uses poetic language that a sinner now there's not going to be sinners in the new jerusalem but he's simply saying in this case that a sinner that should live to be a hundred he's going to be thought of as cursed now we would think someone who lives to a hundred is blessed but it's just simply poetic language to show how this kingdom is going to be different now some even though it says a new heavens and new earth some understand this as referring not to the new jerusalem but to the millennial kingdom even though the language is that of the new jerusalem they simply say the new heavens and new earth are kingdom language and in the millennial kingdom these things might be taken more literally or be able to be taken more literally i would suggest to you that these are terms that refer to symbolic language that tells us none of these things are going to be the reality of the new jerusalem the kingdom of god verse 21. now we're having the same thing of of symbolic language that speaks to truth 
and what is speaking about how justice is going to reign. In the preceding verse, what reign life and the purposes of God. What God purpose for a human being. Not to die when they're just a few days old and not to fulfill that that lifespan that God has given to, to humanity. This is now, but it won't be that way then. And likewise, there's going to be justice. Why do I say that? Look at verse 21. And they will build houses. And those who build those houses, they will dwell, meaning dwell in them. And they will plant vineyards and they will eat of the fruit. That's justice. The one who does the work receives the benefit. That's not how it is always in this world. We're living in a very unjust world, and we shouldn't expect it. If we find justice, praise God, but it's rare. Verse verse 22, they will not build and another dwell. So they're not going to build and someone else will dwell there. That's not going to be happened. Nor will they plant and someone else will, will eat of it. For as the days of a tree. Now, trees tend to live a long time. And that's what it's saying. There's going to be longevity. And what type of longevity? Eternity. But it's poetic language to let us understand about longevity. For as the days of the trees, as the day of my people. So the people are going to experience that longevity. And it says the work of their hand. It will what? My, my elect, it will what? Wear out. Meaning this. He's saying here now, some take this and say that, that they will what? That they will rejoice with it or enjoy it. That's one aspect of it. And this word can mean to wear out or it could mean in a different uh, grammatical construction. That same word can mean just that. Have a good time. So if we translate it, in this way which may be better where it says the work of the hand my elect will rejoice or simply can mean that there's going to be a a longevity to it that it's going to once again produce for the long term it's going to wear out slowly but here again spiritual language symbolic language to speak to the fact that things are not going to be short they are going to fulfill the the will for which they were created for verse 23 and they will not labor in vain nor will they give birth to to that which terrifies for the seed will be blessed ones of the lord this is what they shall be and their offspring with them so we see that there's going to be blessing that's what is being summarized here those who are of the seed and this is a messianic term ask the apostle paul in galatians chapter 3 verse 16 where the seed of abraham that seed is messiah so that messianic seed that's you and me the body of believers we are going to what look at what he says he says that seed is going to be the blessed ones of the lord and their offspring is going to have that same experience with them verse 24 and it shall come about before they they call i will answer 
God's going to know exactly what what the the words are, and He's going to respond even before that we can finish. And it says, while they are still speaking, I will hear. Now, what it speaks about is that there's going to be, and what's emphasized here, is perfect intimacy and perfect unity. God's going to know our heart. He's going to know our words, and he's going to respond even before we can carry it out in words. God's going to respond to it. He says here, even before they they finish speaking, I will hear. Verse 25, our last verse. Now, this is something that was, was given similar to us earlier on, I believe in Isaiah chapter 11, but again in a little bit different language. Notice what he says here. Verse 25. The wolf and the lamb. Now, wolves like to eat lambs. That's that niche, natural thing in this world. But it's not going to be what's in the kingdom of God. It says here, wolves and lambs, they will feed as one. They're going to eat the same thing. They're going to feed together even. They're not going to any longer be afraid of one another. There's going to be yachad. There's going to be togetherness, unity between them. And the lion as the the cattle, they are going to eat straw or hay. So there's no longer going to be, in order for an animal to get their needs met, having the shedding of blood. That's not going to be the nature of God's new Jerusalem, that eternal state of the kingdom of God. What's the message for us? One is not going to get his needs met at the expense and the pain of others. That's what is very frequent in this world. And this is a consequence of sin. God didn't create this world for such an experience. That in order for one to survive, he does so at the suffering and at the death of another. All around us in this world, there's death. This world functions based upon death. But the kingdom of God will not. There's going to be a new reality. And those who are his servants, they're going to experience that. Once again, the lion as the cattle, they will eat straw. And the serpent, Nachash, this is a relevant, relev- this is a reference, excuse me, to Satan. Dust will be his bread. And what else? Well, he's going to be humiliated. He's going to eat the dust. And it says here, and they will not be done evil. Meaning this evil will no longer be done. And there will no longer be any destruction. They will not do evil. They will not destroy. Where? In all my holy mountain, said the Lord. Not says, said the Lord. In the past, because it's in the language of a promise. So what we see here is that God asserting to us all these wonderful promises for who? For his servants. Now, here's what you need to decide. I can go according to my own thoughts and miss out on all of this. My own ways bring me sorrow, despair, sadness, pain, inward pain, outward pain, suffering from every standpoint. 
and I am going to be, be forced in order to get what I want, what I need, I am going to see others as an obstacle to that. And if I have to push them out of the way to get what I want, well, that's what I'll do. Survival of the fittest. That's how the world thinks. But we don't. We have, have peace within. We know that whatever we might suffer in this world, it's temporary. And these things that are, are causes of pain and suffering in the kingdom of God, he promises we're not going to remember them anymore. What a wonderful hope that we have. So the question is this, do we believe the things in this chapter? Or do we, unfortunately, like at the time of Isaiah, so many of the children of Israel rejected that? They went according to their own thoughts. They went in a way that was not good and nothing benefited them. All their decisions that they made for themselves based upon how they saw things were only sources of despair, destruction, loss, and ultimately death and eternal condemnation. But when we say yes to God, when we recognize his authority over us, when we desire to serve him and walk according to his revelation, his truth, then everything changes. And we say, well, I still suffer in this world. You might, but so what? That suffering, as Paul says, is not worthy to be compared to the future glory that we will have. Where? In the kingdom of God. So we have a wonderful hope we have a wonderful future the question is this do we believe that and do we believe it to the extent that we'll apply it to our life that we too become his servants there's nothing better than being a servant of the god of israel well i'll close with that until next week shalom from israel Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.